Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live, coming to you from a moderately-priced hotel room in Rochester, New York, the Flower City. I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me from Kyle, Texas, from his very own insect museum, it's Mike Frizzell. Good morning, Mike. Guten Tag. We're bringing that back, huh? Yep. All right. And a special guest co-host on this Father's Day morning recording edition of Little Red Bandwagon. The Father's Day part's completely irrelevant. I don't know why I mentioned it. In Brisbane, California, in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's Megan Keene. Good morning, Megan. Good morning, Bobby. Welcome back to Little Red Bandwagon. Thank you. For those of you... Uh, who are close listeners, you'll remember that just under a year ago, Megan was on a Friday show bringing back the clip that brought us both a big dog alert uh, from Luke's Cairo radio explosion days uh, due to a lackluster IT support person and the birth of Walsh Walsh and Doormat. That's episode 135 in our archive, and we'll put a link in the show notes for that in case you haven't gotten enough, Megan, and I suspect after this you'll want more. We're going to do a little LRB business followed by your week in review, housekeeping, and how you can get involved. And uh, with business, we're going to start by reminding you, if you haven't listened to Friday's show yet because you don't usually listen to Friday shows or maybe you're just behind on LRB, go back and do that. That was our road trip week recap edition. Despite my voice uh, from suffering from a cold, I think it was a lot of fun. And uh, you knew that there was going to be some gems coming out of our breaking down those two driving their RV uh, from Everett down all the way to Austin. Um, Megan, before we keep going, I was uh, doing a little frizzelling of your Facebook page just to catch up with you because it's been almost a year since we talked to you. And I noticed that you recently had a rental RV adventure too. We did. Um, ironically enough, it was right before the guys left for their RV trip. We uh, we flew to Vegas, which is about a two-hour flight from San Francisco, and then rented an RV and did a little tootling around to some of the national parks in Utah, ended up at the Grand Canyon, and then kind of booked it back to Vegas from there, returned the RV. So I, 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 unfortunately, I wish I had had like more RV tips to like be able to send them before they, they left on their trip. But I think we just coincided, but um, it was an adventure. It was a lot of fun. The first time I ever had uh, an RV. We did. You know, I actually had some concerns about the, the fart locker factor. Um, right. But, you know, I, I kind of just went with it. Anytime we had the option to use, like, a nice bathroom with everything, mm-hmm. you know, we, we kind of t- availed ourselves of that option. But um, it wasn't really that big of a deal, um, you know, to deal with deal with that. Most uh, national parks that we were staying at um, have have a place where you can do the dump and, and whatnot. So it was surprisingly mm-hmm. simple and relatively painless. I hear under new guidelines from the Trump administration, when you go to the Grand Canyon, you're going to be allowed to actually just drain your tank right into the Grand Canyon. Oh, you'll be able to drive just, just right, right on in, like, yeah, you know, yeah, clear out some of that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an adventure. Who, who knows what, what, what might happen in four years, <laughs> but, but, uh, surprisingly it is a good time. If anyone is considering doing an RV adventure, uh, I happen to be a big cheapskate and we had priced this trip out last year cause we were thinking about, we ended up doing something else. Uh, but it, it 
RV prices, for whatever reason, have gone down, and we think it actually might be related to the Trump administration and just less European travel. Like, people are like, ain't touching that. Ha! Yeah, it's a good time to embrace America. Okay. And you did uh, avoid the bad part of any Vegas trip, which is the flight home. Because usually the flights out to Vegas from anywhere is very jubilant and fun and everyone's, you know, they're going for a cool vacation. And on the way home, they're hungover. They've lost a lot of the money. And it's it's the, I know the flights back from Vegas to Seattle were usually some depressing, depressing times. Oh, yeah. They're usually miserable. Everyone's just, you know. Every, everyone's you know really subdued um we did have to fly back from vegas but i think we minimized it though because we were flying on a thursday afternoon so basically everyone go. was going the other direction <laughs> yeah. yeah monday morning monday morning flights back from las vegas like ooh, yeah they're rough yeah, yeah i i feel for any southwest employee on those who has to do that mm-hmm. circuit all right well RV adventures aside, we've got a lot more business to attend to, including a teaser for something we're going to put at the end of the show. Uh, producer extraordinaire Jeremy Holmes uh, went on a little audio adventure a few days ago, a self-assigned project. After listening to the Road Trip Week and our recap of the Road Trip Week, Jeremy just needed more Doug Danger in his life. He could not get enough. Doug Danger, and if you remember correctly, Doug Danger is the uh, knockoff Evil Knievel who was getting ready to jump over not one but two helicopters, if I remember correctly, but then apparently did not actually jump over two helicopters. Uh, If you are interested in this as much as we are, listen through to the end of this show because Jeremy not only found out more about Doug Danger... He went straight to the source and interviewed Doug Danger, who stepped out of dinner plans with his family or something to take a 10-minute or so cell phone call with our very own Jeremy Holmes for an exclusive LRB Investigates interview. Jeremy Jeremy was really intrepid on this. He During the live show, he uh, found out the details on Doug Danger and emailed him during the live show. That's how oh. – that's, that's how that's – how, Dedicated to finding the facts, Jeremy is. That's your man on the scene right there. Uh, yeah. Not wasting a moment. I didn't realize it started that early, but he was really so enthralled with Doug Danger. And I, it's a hell of an interview, too. The guy is uh, hes very matter-of-fact about his, uh, his craft. So mm-hmm. we're going to put that at the end because it's a little long to put in the middle of the show now. But please listen through. Do yourself a favor and uh, check out Jeremy, LRB Investigates, Doug Danger. And and uh, name order matters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Megan, we have more business with you to attend to before we can go on. Uh, you are a recipient of an LRB wagon full of loot. I am. I have two cats that have been circling this with curiosity. Um, and I've been very good. I haven't opened it up yet. Uh, I was going to save that for online, but I have my trusty box cutters here. Uh, so I think it's time to dig into my my LRB loot wagon. Who who is your um, benefactor? My benefactor was Meredith. So got all the way okay. from got a little Dallas postmark on here. Dallas UPS. No wonder the cats are interested in it. I, the, yeah, so her cats have been probably crawled all over that package before it got. Sent. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Either that or they smell 
they either that or they smell uh, the other pod dog. Right, right. Well, well, while you open up that box, I'll take a moment to mention that in addition to the audio tapestry of you cutting open those boxes, if you happen to hear uh, an air conditioning unit or a screaming preteen summer hockey player or a motorcycle enthusiast, those are sounds, the latter sounds that are coming from this Holiday Inn Express. And um, I'll be editing this one on the road today, so enjoy that audio tapestry because it's not coming out. Sounds like a very restful hotel stay. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I'm a big proponent of the Holiday Inn Express, but with the pancake machine and the customer mm-hmm. service, it's usually clean and tidy. It's a reliable brand. But I would say more often than not, there's a youth hockey team there. Any time of right. year. <laughs> uh, I know part of it's just that it's Rochester, but, uh, boy, I just they play a lot of hockey up here. Okay, so I've opened up my loot. Uh, my loot and i see a whole bunch of pink pellets um that should be really fun for the cats later too and the first thing that i'm pulling out oh this is amazing i can tell that this came from texas it's very appropriate i've got a it looks like a tank top kind of an athletic gray tank top it says love and the o on the love is the state of texas of course it is The state of Texas is very proud of itself for a state that really is a pretty horrible place. Well, this is fantastic. I can wear that with tonight's shorts or I could wear it to the gym. I love it. It's a conversation starter for people that have escaped Texas. Yeah, in the Bay Area for sure. Oh, and then it looks like my next piece of loot in here is a Too Beautiful to Live lunch lunchbox uh one of the the loot from last year's tvdl-a-thon those are cool they are really cool uh um but it appears to be heavy so it seems like there is something in my lunchbox and i'm opening it up ah and we've got wow there's a little red bandwagon sticker as well as the 10 sticker um i wonder where one could get some of those (laughs) <laughs> if one were uh, to want to get those i think maybe really the website <laughs> actually this is perfect because i've had my sticker on the back of my tablet and it is starting to fade away so i've been in need of a, a refresh on my sticker so i'm excited about this um the other thing that i have here is a bag tag in the shape of a penguin which is fantastic. I think uh, Meredith did a little looking at my Facebook page because I am a big fan of penguins, so this will go very nicely on my luggage the next time I'm flying to Vegas to get in an RV. Excellent. It's a good yes. year for penguins, back-to-back uh, NHL. <laughs> yes, there you go. Well. And continuing on this penguin theme, I also have a penguin uh, wine corkscrew. Which is fantastic. I can use this for my Chateau Saint Michel or uh, my my end of the day <laughs> wine. This is fantastic. Um, I also I, I also really like wine, particularly red wine. So this is fabulous. Um, oh my yes. gosh, this is the best loot crate. This is really wonderful. Oh no, this is this is truly great. Now I wish I had had this in advance of my RV trip, but it is. Um, it is entitled uh, Poo Puri. So, um, 
and it's called Before You Go Toilet Spray. Um, in a pinch pack, and it looks like I have five different little canisters that I might be able to use for toilet spray. Uh, there's something called the Royal Flush, uh, Call of the Wild. Uh, are they different fragrances? They are different. They appear to be different fragrances. Um, so I'm looking at the back here on how I actually would use this. Um, and it says spray three to five sprays into the toilet bowl on the water surface. And that creates a formula to create a barrier trapping odor under the surface. Hmm. But it is natural essential oils. I believe that was included because Meredith knew we couldn't have an entire loot crate without something to do with bathroom talk. It's sure. it's really pretty useful and amazing because they're they're just the right size that you could you could slap one in your purse. So you know if you were out on the road and uh, had 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 an issue and were a little concerned about some public uh, bathroom embarrassment, you know you've got your your five choices of fragrance. If we it's know courteous, if we know anything about this show, we're definitely concerned about our bathroom issues. So that's good. Yes, and I believe um, you know Anne might Anne might be the better arbitrator of like when this occurred, but um, I believe there was a TBTL episode in which they talked about sort of the pre the pre spray. Now you'd have to have like the presence of mind to actually be able to use it before you had such an emergency. But um, I believe there was some talk about this this product, so I'm I'm very int- I'm very intrigued. I'm I'm excited to use it. I, I may um, arm our bathroom with some of these, so if we have any guests that are facing potential embarrassment, you know they have a oh yeah a little little nice. choices. Yeah, uh, report oh. back to whatever level you find appropriate on that. Okay, <laughs> right. that that, that could be a voicemail line. <laughs> oh man, now now this next thing is really amazing, and I think it may only be a Texas thing. So I'm pulling something out called Beaver Nuggets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm not sure what beaver nuggets are. They looked like these little puffed pieces of something fried. So um, I'm looking at the ingredients. Uh, the first ingredient is brown sugar, so that's a good sign. Uh, cornmeal and corn syrup. Okay, so it looks like kind of sweetened fried corn. Pops. Yes, right. And they're called beaver nuggets because they're they're manufactured for a. Um, it's not a truck stop, but it's a giant gas station. Um, there are multiple locations in Texas called Bucky's, and their mascot, of course, is a beaver. So these would be the sweet treats that Bucky the beaver would enjoy. Well, they look amazing. I can't. I can't wait to try them. Um, I think it might go well. I think the potpourri might go well with the beaver nuggets. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on um, what order. <laughs> We appreciate your courtesy not starting to eat them on the air. Please thank you for not being Luke. <laughs> beaver nuggets are excellent. I plowed through a bag while I was in Texas. I mailed a bag to Christy while I was in Texas uh, because she's also a big fan. And uh, they're a favorite. Okay, so now I'm getting to – this is this is quite the loot crate. Now I'm getting to a pretty big part of the package, which is actually wrapped in some more bubble wrap and taped. And – Oh, this is pretty amazing. I think I may have to take a picture of this, and I'll post this to the LRB uh, fan page so you guys can get some some pictures of this. But this is really great. It's a it's a framed picture 
of um, it's the it's TBTL No Mountain Too Tall and Good Luck to All with the little Luke and Andrew heads uh, on a on a little print, and it's um, in a very nice frame. Cute. I love it. Excellent. I have that print. Mine's in a dollar store frame in my office, but uh, Meredith Meredith went all out for you. She's classy. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, excited. Now, could you take a picture of everything for us? We'll make it the show picture. I abs- absolutely, and uh, I will. I will. I will uh, show all these treasures because I I can't wait to. And, and it looks like I have some homework in uh, reporting back. But um, before I I end my uh, opening of the loot crate here, um, there is a note here, and it says, "With a star open after everything else." So it's in a little note card. So I'm opening it up. Uh, and it's a little card, and it says, has a wine, a, a bottle of wine and a wine opener, and it says, screw it, let's have a drink. <laughs> oh, great. And a very, a very nice card from Meredith that says, and uh, from the LRV crew. So this is great. I will post, I will also post a show to this note in the, in the show notes. It's very great. Yes. Well, good job As, by Meredith, and thank you for your service, by the way. Let's not forget why you have this. Yes. Uh, just picture Mike posting a picture of Barack Obama saluting you in this and, show. And you, too, if you want to become a historian and do a little arc, show archiving, you can have one of these loot crates coming to you. Me, you, do, you and me, Bobby, right? Yeah, yeah. Ours are coming up next. Uh huh. That's your second LRB commercial, and we're only like twenty minutes into the show, Megan. You might be yeah. my new favorite co-host. <laughs> <laughs> right. Plug in where I can here. She can move product and motivate yep. people. Uh, congratulations and thank you. Remind me, um, do you happen to know how many weeks you've archived? That's a good question. I think at this point I've done about eight weeks. So I'm not quite to uh, I, I I'm not quite to like Anne status or Ashley status, but I'm I'm getting there, plugging away. Well, they're making new weeks all the time. So twelve more weeks, and you got yourself a doormat, right? Yep. Isn't yep. a Walsh Walsh and doormat? That's right. Yeah, twenty is a good milestone to shoot for for that alone. Well, congratulations again, and thank you also to Meredith for showing us up on the show for the second time in a row, despite not actually even being on the show. Uh, between her missive from the Dominican Republic and now this. She's really setting the bar high for us. A uh, couple of more reminders in LRB business before we get into our weekend review. Just a reminder, the picnic is Friday, August 18th from 5 to 10 at Woodland Park near Green Lake. I'm going to be there, and uh, a lot of your other favorite co-hosts are going to be there as well. Uh, we'll check with Megan. She's just very newly one of our favorite co-hosts. But uh, if you can get there do anything you can to get there we'd love to see you we'd love to have you there um we're not recording the show we're not doing a big to do we're not doing karaoke we're actually going to spend time together as friends and we'd like to spend it with you so please come on out to the picnic check the facebook page for the event and remember for your throw your phone moments we'll catch up on those next week you can now submit those directly to us at throwyourphone.com another innovation by jeremy holmes throwyourphone.com yeah, everybody's working really hard on the show except me, it seems. But uh, I'll take us to the recap. I did take notes this week. Uh, Monday, 2400 TBTL Live in Austin. The circus came to town, guys. It was fun. <laughs> it was fantastic. 
um, seeing everyone, uh, meeting all kinds of new folks. But anyway, um, we're all about the business of show. So, uh, let me recap the show that I sat in the back row in front of the bar for, and it opened with, uh, Hunter S. Thompson, which was perfect. Um, as uh perfect, perfect road trip clip. And they, um, played some tape of when they were just about starting to lose their minds during a long, long slog of a drive, I think like an 11 hour drive. And, uh, Andrew started to sing his U2 song. We bought a Zuropa or a Zuropia. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He was about, they were about as, as whacked out as you can get without, um, actually being whacked out. The road will do that to you, especially some of the boring roads between here and Everett, Washington. Uh, they 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 get caught in a classic Texas hailstorm, which, um, you know, I, I think everybody who's been in Texas for any decent amount of time has hailstorm uh, stories. I, I, I know uh, Emily's had a car pretty, pretty damaged by uh, hailstorms. Who knows if the RV actually had hail damage because... Unless you are an expert and like you really get up on it and look at it, sometimes there's a lot of hail damage that you don't actually, you can't see with the naked eye from any distance. So they may have returned not only a an RV with engine trouble, but also hail damage. Don't forget the Good broken side view mirror. <laughs> right, right. The mysteriously non-functional, in quotes, <laughs> side view mirror. Just stop, stop being reflective. I don't know. I I have so many questions about this road trip that I never quite got a chance to ask the guys because uh, we did have brunch with Luke on on Sunday, but uh, Andrew famously didn't make it because his flight was at one thirty and not four thirty. <laughs> Very Luke like uh, mistake on his part. Um, this the the audio of the motorcycle parade is is played and that um that was so fantastic because i identify with andrew if i haven't taken a shower uh, in a while you, you a little motorcycle parade's not going to get between me i would have gone all frogger just like <laughs> andrew to get at that shower i'm really glad he made that bold move I, not often he makes a bold move i really wish that there was a picture of this bold move well, the audio really captured the the uh, rot rally because it is a lot of um, uh, mostly men trying to draw attention to themselves. And and what the the most unfortunate thing about the the rally, the Republic of Texas rally, is there's the proliferation of tricycles these days. Um, bikers, let's have a little pride, guys and ladies. No more tricycles. And th- there were scooter gangs, which I had more respect for them. Um, the, uh, I think Jeremy talks about having been in a scooter gang at one point, and those words don't seem to go together. But uh, when I when I saw the, the guys on their tricycles, then I was like, well, I found someone who's who's lower on the on the list than the scooter gang. And that is these people who don't, don't seem to trust themselves to be able to keep a motorcycle uh, on the road without falling down. <laughs> they do the trip by the numbers, um, including the number of flies that were landing on the seat when Andrew's um, stinky non-showering butt got out oh. for the last oh. time. 
And then the top story, the first top story is the Doug Danger story, which was about, you know, we as we mentioned, a guy who was going to jump over to helicopters, which to me sounded like the worst idea. Uh, because if if it goes wrong, not only are the not only are people seeing something horrific, which like say a guy's like jumping um, jumping the Snake River, you know, like Evil Knievel or whatever. Worst case scenario, guy falls down into a canyon. Okay, guys jumping helicopters doesn't work out. There's a that's not only is it the worst thing that you'll, you'll ever see in your life in any lifetimes, even if you'd love to watch ISIS videos. Um, it'll be the worst thing you ever saw and you're in physical danger. You know, Doug yeah. is putting you in danger. There's a motorcycle going through rotors. It's like the shrapnel. Anybody thought of that? It's the shrapnel version of sitting in the front row at the blue man group. Awful. I mean, I mean, I guess I, I guess I would watch it from behind safety glass or something, but that's about it. It's not something that that uh, anyone should attend. Anyone trying to jump over helicopters, but you'll get the story at the end of the show. Yes. Okay. Top story two: tiny hands on a hard body. <laughs> what? Only in Texas. No one in Seattle is doing this, right? Uh, I've never heard it put this way before. I, I've seen um, grown ass adult touch a thon which is already a creepy yeah. enough name uh but tiny hands on a hard body sounds like a pedophile convention <laughs> sure sure we have megan here it's it's a very megan's law type of thing you know if there's a tiny if there's a tiny hands on a hard body contest in your town you might want to go to the website and check out how many how many sex offenders are, are in that neighborhood uh, Shaky Graves appears, and all the ladies swoon, and all the guys are jealous. He uh, turns out he's a, a murder podcast fan, which which made my wife swoon because she listens to all those all those podcasts, and she's also forensic files and all that. So she and Shaky Graves and Luke are all totally on the same page on that. Um, Megan, do you do you partake in those type of podcasts? Um, I've dabbled a little bit. Um, I went through a big serial killer novel phase when I was a kid. I think my parents worried a little bit about me. Um, mm-hmm. I can get into that a little bit. It gets a little too much for me. I mean, I'm not a forensic files viewer. Um, right. What's, what did strike me about this, I, you know, I didn't get the, unfortunately, I didn't get the visual of uh, Shaky Graves because I wasn't there. But now I think I need to Google him because I'll have to enjoy that. But uh, I felt like he rolled really well, um, despite not knowing TBTL. He seemed to fit really right in, um, in a mm-hmm. way that not every musical guest from live shows has necessarily translated. Yeah, er- everyone uh, who wasn't familiar with Shaky Graves, man, I've I've liked him for a little while, and I was really impressed that they they got him. But if you didn't know who he was, I think people were expecting an older gentleman, but. He's, he's, uh, I think in his early thirties, late twenties, early thirties and, you know, really engaging, bright guy. And it was a, I, I don't know. It was, it was really fun. Um, Megan and Bobby, I'm interested. I, when this live show was over, I really felt like it was the, the best live show that they've done as far as it being a show that was entertaining for the for a, a, a podcast audience 
Yeah, I could see what you're saying there. And I agree. I think of all of the live shows that I've heard as a podcast and I've been to, you know, I was at the 2000th show, which cut really poorly into a an, into a, an actual episode of the show for audio reasons, among other things. Um, this sounded like a good show. Like, it wasn't chock full of weird extra stuff. It wasn't so far off format for them. It kind of reminded me of the porch shows where mm-hmm. they did their thing and uh, there was somebody hanging out who played some music. But mainly it was them doing their thing. Um, mm-hmm. it, they didn't try to turn it into an episode of Livewire or something like that, where it's all about the guests and the the uh, you know the the old uh, TBTLathon weeks where the episodes would be way off format because they were trying to bring in all these big names and stuff. They just did their thing with Shaky Graves in the mix, and I think it, it went really well. Yeah, it 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 sounded great as a podcast, other than making me angry that I wasn't there. Sure. Uh, it was great. Yeah, I had some serious FOMO. I have not been to any of the live shows, and I have to say that the last two prior to this really didn't translate well for me, and it just made me wish I was there because I think it just didn't, for whatever reason, uh, mm-hmm. resonate well as in podcast format, you know, not being there. Uh, but this show was really different. I, I really did feel like it worked well, and I think some elements are – some of the things you just aren't necessarily even going to anticipate. Um, you know, you never know how your the guests that you have, if you're introducing someone who isn't part of your usual crew, how they're going to go. And mm-hmm. I felt like people really just rolled with it and they tried to do what they did best and they seemed really relaxed. And that's usually when you get the best TVTL. And those of us that were attending, all we really want is for the, to see the guys – to have them do their show, and then we socialize, and we socialize very hard, and the drinks were very strong. So, and y'all heard that. <laughs> heard evidence of that. So, LRB, uh, summer picnic, LRB summer picnic. Uh, so there'll be some heavy pour there, I'm sure too. <laughs> um, shaky uh, rails about budget <laughs> in a car, which is great. He. Turns people on to laser blazer tag, which Emily has since pointed out where it is, and I should have been seeing laser blazer tag all along. But uh, I have, I guess, I have laser blazer tag blindness, and he uh, plays a little dust in the wind, and uh, I guess that's how you learn how to be a, a guitar picker. But, yeah, uh, it was interesting. If you can pick that, you can pick anything. Um, the. He plays a song called Roll the Bones, which there's a great um, version of on YouTube, and uh, he's quite uh, quite handsome. Let's just say that. And he's he's not a fan of buttoning his sh- a lot of his buttons on his shirt. Usually there's just like maybe two buttons at the most. I think he knows his audience, Mike. <laughs> he does. He certainly does. All right. Now I really need to get some visuals on this guy. I'll send you that. Uh, I'll send you that link. Um Email segment. Uh, someone says the Doogie Hauser music makes them sad. Um, the audience, for the most part, says it doesn't. I, I think it's kind of weird, but I'm getting used to it, I guess. That, that's pretty much the mantra of TPTL, isn't it? <laughs> right. It's weird, but I'm getting used to it. Uh, I have an, I have advice for people who are irked by the Doogie Hauser theme song, which is try listening to the show at one and a half speed. 
because the Doogie Howser theme song sounds really cheery at one and a half. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then there's a Dreamcatcher segment, at which point I think you can hear me exclaim no, if you listen closely. <laughs> and uh, Ashley uh, came, up, came up behind me while the Dreamcatcher segment was going on and whispered, how pissed are you? <laughs> you know, cause I, I spent, what, $25, $35 for my ticket, and they're doing a Dreamcatcher. It seems like a slap in the face to me. Oh, that's when you get another drink or, you know, you hit the bathroom. <laughs> right. right. If I'd had another drink, I think I, I, I would have uh, crashed the car on the way home. So I'm glad I didn't do that. Uh, the Dream is about uh, someone putting a, a dentist putting a hot dog in a tooth hole as a placeholder, which, yeah. Nobody needed to hear that. I think art is starting to imitate life, imitating art, imitating life with TBTL dreams. Yeah. Because I don't think people are making up dreams no. about hot dogs no. replacing the teeth that are falling out. No. But I think that because they're listening to TBTL and sort of recognizing that there's an opportunity for dreams, they're sort of subconsciously – it's it's a, it's a real bad downward spiral. It's like an MC Escher thing, you know – we're just working our way around and around, really not getting anywhere, and just getting weirder and weirder. Are there any Eschers uh, with hot dogs in them? Because that would really... <laughs> I'm going to dream of one now, thanks to you saying that. Uh, the voicemail rap jingle is played, which they should try to play that more often. It's really, really well done. And I didn't know that Kelly wrote the lyrics. I didn't know that either. Kelly really nailed it on that one. Yeah, what can't she do? I know. Um, Saving us they from have, Zika, writing raps. I know. She, she's a very talented yeah. person. They they have a contest uh, to give away um, some the coffee maker and some a couple other items. And I thought when they were doing that, I thought that that was not going to end up being on the show. And that might be the only hole in the show was listening to someone dance. Because <laughs> uh, when that was happening, I was like, this is visual. This is visual. What are you doing? But it was uh, the only hiccup I think in the in the live show. Uh, Shaky plays plays us out with the Backstreet Boys. As long as you love me and um, talk about talk about a swoon fest. I mean, it, it, that's what it really crescendoed after that. He it, he had like a receiving line after the show <laughs> of of women wanting to talk to him and he was such a great sport it, you know he, he watched the show after his first song he went up on the balcony and, and watched the rest of the show and then he came down and not only f- played it out but then he stuck around for a long time afterward talking with fans so that was really fun and i think um him being so young and him being so talented just like that new york show when um they i think there were like three uh, there was John Hodgman and um, I forget who the other two were, but I mean, guys who would go on and get even more famous. I think uh, we can all say we, we were there when uh, Shaky Graves was not as famous as he is very much going to be. And that's all yeah. I have for Monday. Yeah. Uh, like I said, overall, I thought it just, it went really well as a podcast and uh, I cursed the ground all of you walked on for being there without me <laughs> you you made it very clear with all of the fuck you messages in our chat <laughs> every time we were talking about what was going on in austin just bobby would just chime in with a nah, fuck all of you yep yep 
Now you know how I feel all the time when I don't get to these events, and you do. Well, you know. Uh, Megan, did you have any final thoughts on the live show? No, I was just doing some similar cursing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, Mike, it's it's uh, it's we're we're resonating with a lot of people out there who hate you and your ass face right now. <laughs> because they came to me, I was able to go. It was fantastic. Uh, let's go to Tuesday, twenty four oh one. Planting the seeds of pastrami. The guys are back in their natural habitats, and um, Andrew calls out Luke for sounding stressed out. Uh, the guys are sort of decompressing, and Megan, you have an astute note. <laughs> yes, uh, they they notice uh, they notice that Luke was Luke was talking about just kind of being on a. On a, you know, getting back to normal kind of feel and a, a little bit of the letdown after, you know, it was the first real show they were doing after all this excitement and the TV telethon. And uh, as Luke put it, turns out people hate our normal show because <laughs> uh, I guess they got a lot of really good feedback on the live show. Um, I think the live show brought um, some needed um, new energy into the show. It had been a little bit of a slog the last few weeks, I'll, I'll be honest, but I really think it brought in some new life, some new energy really shown a light, showed um, a light on some of the other tens. And I, I think it was, I think it was good. And you, you need that kind of injection and that kind of difference every once in a while. And, you know, I think it was the interaction, you know, cause they, they, they talked to every last person that wanted to talk with them after the show. And that's going to energize you. Yep. That's, that's awesome. And, and, you know, also, I'm sure they did a little show prep. And that doesn't hurt either. <laughs> Let's not get our hopes I up. I love you, Megan. Uh, that you say the things we're all thinking. Yes. Uh, that conversation was tied into the sort of way they look at things being backhanded. So people loved the live show, which means they must hate their regular shows. Just like <laughs> right. how people saying, wow, you guys really look skinny. It means, wow, you, you used to be so fat. And this is tied mm-hmm. into Andrew talking about his childhood and then and then growing into himself a little bit. And You can't have somebody call you skinny without thinking you used to be fat. Or you can't have someone say, hey, your skin looks great now without you thinking, oh, because it looked so bad before. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely just the lens with which they look at life. Uh, very much on display there. But, yeah, things are basically back to normal for TBTL. Um, an aside, I hadn't thought to put it in the notes, but I, I caught a recent episode of Livewire. I don't listen to every episode, but um, Luke, they had on the guy who wrote the book that the movie Up in the Air is based on, and I really like that movie. Um, oh, Walter Kern. Yeah, and the book is, I guess, lighter-hearted. I haven't read it, but I, I think I'm going to. Um, and Luke I've read mentioned- the book. I didn't like the book as much as the movie, actually. It's one of those rare instances where it was the movie was actually better than the book. Well, I already trust your judgment more than most of our co-hosts, so maybe I won't bother reading the book. But uh, I was interested in Luke mentioning that he flew something like over 200,000 miles last year. Um, and he was talking about like that life and being on the road that much. And, and he makes a good point there. Them both being in their home studios has become pretty rare. I mean, it certainly has been a long time since it happened five days in a row. Mm-hmm. Um and so it is a little different than being back in their, you know, home bases like that. Uh, we find out that Andrew took a layover in Detroit on the way back from Austin to Seattle. 
Uh, and I only noted it because this is just like him asking if he can have a cheaper hotel room from APM. Uh, I think when you're expensing your flight home from your live show after a whole week of fundraising and spending it in an RV, I think you go ahead and splurge on the direct flight. Yes. Yeah. Everyone else did. Yeah. Seriously, look at a map of the United States <laughs> and then think about that layover in Detroit from Austin to Seattle. <laughs> There is a direct flight, guys. Yes. Time, time is money, Andrew. It's okay. And, and I believe it's a direct flight on uh, our favorite airline. So mm-hmm. there are no excuses. Uh, the guys got into some shenanigans after the live show, including breaking into the hotel pool with some of their friends. Um, sounds like their sort of usual level of hijinks after decompressing after something like that. And because of that, Andrew almost not quite missed his flight. Yeah, I got a, a text from Andrew um, about a half an hour before we were going to pick him and Luke up, and he was frantic. He was absolutely <laughs> frantic. By his so, standards, that was cutting it real close, and by Luke's standards, he had time to get a sandwich. Oh, I know. Luke was very unimpressed with, with the <laughs> story when it finally when when Andrew finally told the story of, of how how close it actually was. He was like... Boring, yawn. Yeah. And well, I think poor Andrew, for somebody who has, for somebody you know who likes to be early and likes to really be on top of it, he's really had a couple of Luke moments like this. You know, with the, the the arriving late to the studio when they were in, uh, you know, oh, the God. mothership. Um, I think you know he's had a couple of like sort of late late night before. Uh, and then very Luke like behavior the next day, and so I'm sure mm-hmm. he was you know, in quite a, quite a state just cause it's so beyond, you know, so atypical for him. Uh, I think we were in our group chat with some of our friends, TBTL listeners and, uh, Captain Will just jumped in and said, yeah, there's room on the next Alaska flight. He'll be fine. We'll figure it out. But yeah. he did make it home. All yeah. right. Despite that ridiculous layover. Uh, <laughs> right. Top story from Tuesday. Uh, they're going to take a weather balloon uh, and send it into the stratosphere, and they're going to put a KFC zinger sandwich aboard it. Uh, this sounds like a pretty classic TBTL top story, and I didn't even take any notes on it. I just wrote down stratosphere test balloon, KFC sandwich, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think there was, of course, mention of a Rob Lowe kernel commercial, blah, blah, blah. I don't think we Is there a fast food it. story that it doesn't become a top story? <laughs> Uh, we're going to get a voicemail from a, uh, a engineer of some kind shame-eating this zinger while aboard this balloon in the stratosphere. <laughs> right. It's only a matter of time. Uh, Andrew says he's more than afraid ever of ever than heights. It almost came out right. He is more afraid than ever of heights. Uh, Me too. And, yeah, well – you're a little less stable on your feet than you used to be. No, no, it's it started happening to me like in my uh, 30s. Hmm. You know, I was not afraid of heights when I was younger, and it just it gets worse all the time. Is just this the slow growing loom of mortality, or <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It it it's real though. Yeah, this phenomenon. Uh, the interesting part here is that they're talking about whether or not they would go on a hot air balloon to the stratosphere and not think it makes them better than anyone else. And Luke says he wouldn't do it. 
And Andrew immediately corrects him and says, if CBS Sunday Morning hired you to go on a balloon to the stratosphere, you would do it in a heartbeat. And then they wouldn't air it, uh, just like the pina colada thing. <laughs> did that air? I don't think it did. Uh, I don't think that did. I feel like... It seemed like they spent a lot of money on that. <laughs> maybe it did. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know. But uh, that Boat Race to Alaska story finally aired a year later, yeah. just a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. Uh, top story two, there's an Italian guy who had a life-changing experience at the Cat's Deli in New York. Uh, he had what she's having, and now he wants to bring pastrami to Italy. And the Italians just aren't having it. But he's trying. He's trying. Uh, relevant only to our pastrami interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jewish Deli talk uh, transitions nicely into klezmer music talk, or as Luke says, kletzmer. Uh, and Andrew retells his story of an early radio piece where he was sent to a Klezmer music festival and interviewed people but didn't know how to pronounce Klezmer. Oh, God. Well, Luke keeps <laughs> his in his in his Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah. So he loves that Klezmer music. Uh, we get a voicemail uh, about the Ring of Fire uh, carnival ride and a traumatic experience that a listener had with the seatbelt that didn't work but then did when the carny came over to check on it because that's how life works. Shit. Passing reference to the song 99 Luft Balloons is a possible outro song, and I only mentioned it because Andrew didn't know that that's the band Nina, and I just feel like that's something he would know. They end up going out instead with a Ray Charles version of the song Ring of Fire that people on the Facebook page found life-changing. Yeah, they, uh, that Luft Balloons song was ubiquitous when I was like a freshman and a sophomore in college. Therefore... Just the first note of it will make my skin crawl. I <laughs> heard it so many goddamn times. And it's it's a song with multiple pacings, so it's impossible to dance to. Yep. So it was just a nightmare of a song for me. And you have the English version and the German version. You know, you have various versions yep. of it. And, yeah, I think so the people Ray were Charles playing them back to back. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Charles was a classy, classy choice for outro. Yes. Yeah. Better. Uh, Megan, why don't you take us through Wednesday? Yeah. So Wednesday, 2402, teach me how to doogie. Um, so the guys are back, um, kind of their usual free flow. Uh, one topic really kind of went into another today. They were, they were a little all over the place. Um, that they start off Andrew calling uh, TVTL the mole of podcasting. So that gets into Cindy Crawford talk. Um, and the guys start uh, – speculating as to whether or not Cindy Crawford has a podcast and if she did have a podcast, what it might be called. Uh, the best Andrew can come up with is the Cindy Crawfish experience, uh, going for a little little pun action. Um, I thought about this and I thought, you know, you could just call it the mole. Like maybe she's, you know, depending on what the show's about, like, you know, it could be the mm-hmm. mole, like you're talking about Hollywood gossip or make your mark. Maybe she's, you know, talking style. Um, yeah, lots of. She would be she would be one of the worst undercover agents because she's very <laughs> memorable. <laughs> you got, who's that? Who's the hot new girl? You know, also you probably be kind of schlubby to be undercover. Also, probably a lot of her her strongest assets would be lost in a podcast format. So. Uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think people are knocking on our doors for podcasting. But um, I did, it did make me do a little deep dive into Cindy Crawford. Um, 
because I, I do remember her, you know, I mean, it was hard to miss her in the 90s. Uh, but um, some da- a couple of dazzling deets is I guess she stopped modeling in um, 2000 and then has just kind of done some TV appearances here and there. Uh, but has like two children that are both models now. Um, and you can even uh, maybe in the show notes, I'll put this uh, or I'll post this to the LRB show page, but her son apparently has a podcast page and quite the head of hair too. So it's uh, really something. Um, and Luke makes the comment that Cindy looks good for, um, for actually, you know, for her age or just 51. Um, and she has been on the record apparently as having a lot of Botox and vitamins injections. So um, she is mm-hmm. no stranger to plastic surgery. So that's probably so, some of where so the that's why she looks better than me at fifty one. Yeah, that's got to be the that's got to be the reason. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Though the, there's some there's some preservation work happening. So um, let's see. So they they get into uh, it, show dives into you know sort of a little after these messages part two where andrew is starting a little more about uh commercials um yeah a lot of commercial talk um so they get into commercials that are played during sports games uh commercials with some of the tortured sports metaphors um and uh mike i know you're a big sports fan do you do you notice this do you notice this happening a lot that they try to it is yes and it's super irritating be, simply because I'm a sports fan. I'm watching this game and I probably know more about the team and about the game than the person writing the ad copy does. So them trying to make some half-hearted attempt to tie sports into their product. No, sell your product. Talk about your product in the pr- language of your product that you know. Yeah, is Andrew no, point- That's what gets to me. Yeah, as Andrew points out, like you don't, you know, you're just because you watch sports, you're you're capable of understanding the use of a product without <laughs> right. it being tied it's back. It's so to insulting, right? It's so insulting. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I I've listened to a couple episodes of After These Messages, and and I like it, but my my issue with it is I realize I never watched live. I, I so infrequently mm-hmm. watched live TV that I'm just unfamiliar with a lot of these commercials, unless it happens mm-hmm. to be whatever they have on rotating play for some uh, sports event. Um, Mm -hmm. so a lot of times I just don't have context for what they're talking about as much. Um, but, uh, Andrew has some embarrassment because apparently they're one of the sports analogies had to do with, uh, it was a, some kind of, some kind of alcohol commercial that used bottom of the fifth, um, you know, referring to the bottle of the fifth. Oh God. And, uh, a listener wrote in to Andrew explaining the joke and Andrew apparently got the joke, but Genevieve didn't. But then, you know, he kept feeling like, Oh, I really want the listener to know that, that I, that I got it. That was why I was talking about it. So usual Andrew embarrassment. Uh, Worth noting that Genevieve was not on TBTL to defend herself from that, uh, which is, Maybe my biggest complaint with after after these messages, which is what I call every Wednesday or Thursday edition of TBTL now, um, if we're going to get after after these messages, I'd at least like to get a complete synopsis of after these messages. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. And and Genevieve definitely is a delightful part of that show. Um, so if you are into commercials, it's it's a good one. But I I, yeah. I could, you know, ATM Part Two is. Do well, you make a good point, Megan, that uh, I, I I do see a lot of commercials, but they are specifically the commercials during 
baseball games, uh, golf tournaments, you know, I don't see the commercials that run during Grey's Anatomy or whatever, you know. So it's not quite a universal thing to to talk about. Yeah, and Mike, I think that also might contribute to why you hate music because they tend to play whatever song of the moment happens to be on like heavy rotation and just mm-hmm. You know, they people kind of run with that. On so it's on every commercial. It's played at you know every dramatic moment in the game. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it it makes you start to see you know even if you liked the song before, whatever catchy tune it is, just it has been. Oh, ruined. the NBA playoffs are the worst for that. Whatever whatever hip hop song is, you know, you might have liked it in game one, but um, by game four, you're ready to stick a fork in your eye every time they're coming in and out of break with it. Yeah. The same reason I can't listen to round ball rock anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Top story, Unleash the Freeze. Um, The Freeze is unleashed at Atlanta Braves games. Um, I have not watched a Braves game, so I have not seen the Freeze. Um, But I guess the idea is that uh, during breaks between innings, uh, they have uh, some, some fan comes down from the stand and does a run to home plate and at a certain point uh the freeze is unleashed to try to beat uh to try to beat the fan mm-hmm. home and uh anyway i guess uh, it made the news recently because the freeze was uh beat actually did not win against a fan for i think the second time um but they mentioned the first time uh there was something wrong with the 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 freeze couldn't actually see through his goggles. So right. even though he lost that time, there's kind of a reason, but this is the first time he kind of straight up legitimately lost to, to the fan. Well, he was, he was losing. Um, there was a fan who seemed to be about to beat him recently. And this is why it's gotten a lot of play in, in the media, just because it was a great visual. There's a fan who was just about to, because they go along the warning track. They let the fan go, and then at a certain point, they let the freeze go, and the freeze overtakes the fan by the time they get to the other foul pole. Uh, but there was a fan who was doing well, and he just started to high side. And he then, as he was high siding, he looked over his shoulder and saw the freeze coming, and he tripped and went face down on the warning track. And it was pretty great. Because you like to see people get their comeuppance when they when they start celebrating too early, like like those sporting events when people are you know someone starts to celebrate they oh I beat Usain Bolt and while they're celebrating Usain Bolt gets by him right at the last second yeah this it's is fun. the the guy high stepping at the five yard line absolutely yeah. yeah and he pulls his hamstring or whatever but <laughs> um, the I guess you know how Rich Eisen does his forty at the NFL Combine. Mm-hmm. For for charity, he, he runs a forty. He's he's gonna be in Atlanta at some point for some NFL thing this year, and he's he's going to race the freeze. So get ready for it to be a story again. Big charity run against the freeze. It, him wearing his suit. All right. Uh, I would donate to whatever charity they want to see Rich Eisen take it face first in the morning train. <laughs> no, that'd be great. That'd be great. I love Rich Eisen, but it's great. It's great comedy. When someone eats <laughs> eats shit on the warning track, definitely. Uh, at least the Braves have something uh, with a winning record, so that's nice. I mean, yeah. the freeze is still <laughs> doing shot. pretty nice. well. That was as good as my Mike Zanino shot last week. 
Uh, so we get into a little more commercial talk with uh, a local commercial, um, that, uh, Blazing Bagels, that plays. Um, the, the owner seems to really want to get into an East Coast versus West Coast bagel <laughs> beef. Uh, this story is... I, I loved the audio from this, but I it also was a great excuse to play the drop from uh, Sean Tatori, uh, the bagel drop, mm-hmm. the bagel bagel boogle. Um, I am from California, so I don't understand the bagel beef. Um, I eat Einstein, Noah's bagels. You know, I eat New York bagels. I enjoy those. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Um, Bobby, I know you're East Coast. Are you a bagel snob? No, I like a good bagel. And if I can get a good bagel, that's great. Um, I'm not from New York proper, so I don't have the um, intense, you know, New Yorker bagel thing. If I'm in New York for work or visiting, I'll grab a half dozen bagels to bring home because they are better and I like them. And I particularly like egg bagels, which are harder to find outside of uh, New York City. And uh, if I'm home, I'll go to the place in Providence that makes pretty good bagels, and I'll get them. And I've never bemoaned having only moderately good bagels. But, yeah, this guy is really cultivating uh, an East Coast, West Coast thing. He he thinks he's Tupac, and he just really wants to get in it with the, the notorious bagel, I guess. I don't know. He's He's really – he's picking a one-sided fight. It's like uh, high school <laughs> right. sports rivalries where growing up in Webster, New York, I thought I thought that Fairport's football team hated us as much as we hated them. And now if you talk to someone from Fairport who grew up when I did, they didn't give a shit about our football team. There's a reason you were their homecoming game every year. Right. Yeah, exactly. Guaranteed win. Well, I think if I make it to Seattle for LRB picnic, I, I'm definitely going to have to try a, a blazing bagel and see you know, see what I think. So, yeah, and if any New Yorkers are coming to the picnic, bring bring your best bagel, and uh, we'll we'll do a little side by side, and we'll put this to rest. If anyone still cares in August, if your middle name starts with B. Oh, right. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get into, like, bagel talk leads into more snack talk, uh, particularly packaged snacks and, like, what you were allowed to kind of have as packaged snacks as a kid. Um, they were talking about the joys of animal crackers. Um, I think um, I come from a pretty big family, too. Um, there there weren't nearly as many of us as there were in the Burbank family, but there were, I do have, four, there are four kids in my family, and we're all pretty close in age. And my theory is that Packaged snacks is particularly appealing when you're in a large family because you have to share all the time. So anything mm-hmm. that you get in your own discrete package that you don't have to share is just gold. It's your little treasure. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's where that comes in a little bit for, for Luke. I've noticed that before. Um, a little sharpshooting here. They start talking about pink and white frosted animal cookies. Those are actually not uh, – they are not animal crackers. They are actually mother circus animals cookies and they are delicious. Um, I'm not usually a sweet person either, and I have to say those are quite delicious. Yeah, those are the those are a, a kind of a cookie or whatever that I seemingly would never buy, and it's not visually appealing. But every time I run across it and pop one in my mouth, then all of a sudden I've eaten twenty of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God damn, those are good. Normally, never go out of my way to buy a bag, but now that we've discussed it, I may have to go get a bag this afternoon. <laughs> right. Okay, um, 
Luke, Luke gets into a little bit of Mariner's talk. Um, I understand the Giants are terrible, too. Um, mascot talk. Uh, we get into more mascot talk. Um, this is talking about a fish mascot out of Japan um, that appears to be evolving um, uh, for baseball games because at some point they are actually they, – they mistakenly uh, – a uh, certain that the fish mascot will be retiring soon. Um, you know, they feel like, oh, you know, good for the Japanese. They have, instead of exhausting the the, the novelty to death, you know, they've decided to put it to rest while they can. Uh, a point that is uh, disputed later, um, as we'll see on Thursday's show. Um, but um, I do think, I do think uh, Andrew made a good point about, like, America kind of, going a little nuts over over you know kind of beating things to death and other countries maybe not doing that quite as much but but i don't know i think it's kind of anyone who wants to make a buck is going to kind of milk it for whatever it is i don't think it's necessarily distinctly american phenomenon um let's see then we get into cost of highway signs um don't and and they start getting into guessing about like how much are how much is it to have your logo on one of those signs you see off the highway you know for next rest stop or next you know next next pit stop or next gas it would have been an interesting topic had had the numbers not been perfectly reasonable and right normal and what the market bears because i've i've had experience uh with red robin and with papa john's looking into these things in Red Robin we did them because it's it's a destination restaurant and with Papa John's we didn't do it because we're mostly a delivery uh business so you know i i've heard those numbers and i was like yeah that's that's yep that's pretty reasonable yeah. that's about what you you want to get one on both sides of course i have a i have a little story here um when we first moved to Rhode Island one of the things that i bemoaned the loss of was Tim Hortons uh, in fact, I have a Tim Hortons coffee with me right now because I'm here and I can. Uh, but when we first moved out there, I would drive back and forth from Boston to Providence because we lived in Providence. And right at the Massachusetts, Rhode Island state line, I would see one of these roadside signs for a Tim Hortons. And I would always think, no, there's no way. They're not out here. I know they're not out here. I've checked late one night. I desperately needed to stop. <laughs> I see this sign. I get off in a part of town that I don't know very well at all. And it's a little intimidating. It looks a little run down. And I, I see the Tim Horton sign. So I go, I get off at that exit and I can't find it anywhere. And I find out later, I'm in this sketchy neighborhood and I really have to pee and I'm really looking for something. I find a honeydew donuts, which is a local chain restaurant. Uh, I go in, I, I get a snack. They don't have a bathroom. So I'm screwed there. I get back in my car. I go the rest of the way home. There used to be a Tim Hortons, briefly, uh, a failed franchise that was open for less than a year, several years mm. earlier, and they just never took the damn sign down. That's that's terrible. You should have bought a can of spray paint <laughs> and uh, done the world a favor. The sign is still there, and I still get crestfallen every time I see it. And now we actually live mere blocks from that honeydew. Uh, at that exit that in a neighborhood that's not as bad as I thought it was then. Uh, but I was, it was dark and I didn't know where I was. Uh, and so I go past that goddamn sign all the time. If and there were a taco time sign, like 
in Buda between here and <laughs> Austin, I would be fucking pissed. Yeah, every every single time I think, oh, I missed Tim Hortons. So, yeah, those damn signs. But yeah, the pricing hey, is perfect. Hey, you you simple. made you managed to make that subject interesting, Bobby. Congratulations. Well, there you go. Yeah, it, for me, it's usually a it's just usually a sign of when I wonder if a, if a certain chain still exists. Like, oh, I wonder if they have those out here. You know, you see them on the roadside. Oh, okay, maybe they still exist, but. Uh, don't always assume that, as as we learned from Wow, a Ponderosa Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Bugaboo Creek? Anyway. All right. Then Luke loads uh, the wrong email music, uh, hence the show name. Um, he he mentions that if you if you enjoyed not having uh, Doogie Hauser as a backdrop for emails, that um, that you could enjoy this segment without it because he forgot to load it, but. Andrew, of course, immediately took that bait, so you only got a few seconds of enjoyment if you hate that Doogie Hauser theme. So uh, there you go. Uh, listener emails, some updates on Texas idioms. Um, some of them quite, some of them quite long. Um, my personal favorite is I liked uh, "Sorry, don't feed the bulldog." Oh, I thought that was delightful. Um, and then. The music, go, outro music, uh, we realized uh, once again that there isn't a good mascot song, so we went out with Magnetic Fields, Chicken with its Head Cut Off. And that was the power out for Wednesday. All right, I'll take us to Thursday, 24.03. Mama said, shark you out. Uh, the pod dog is in and guarding her bed at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Uh, we think, in part at least, because Olive has been laying claim to it uh, if if Rudy doesn't get in there in time. And so there's a whole issue there. Luke tries to get her with the squirrel lure, which I hoped had been lost, but it hasn't. Uh, we have a note that Bob's Burgers is a great TV show. They've done this before. Not, not really an analysis, just a reminder that Bob's Burgers is a great TV show. And it comes up because Carrie is taking an improv class. And someone in the class uh, reminds her of a character from Bob's Burgers. And I found that to be the cliffhanger of the week. Which character? Right. <laughs> because there's a lot of range there. Sure. <laughs> uh, it's Luke, a good show. I'm never sorry I watched that show. Yeah. Uh, here's how I wrote this in my notes the next thing. Luke tries to sing, rap, recall, Mama Said Knock You Out lyrics. Uh, semicolon is very white. <laughs> Is this when they were they were rapping? Because his beatboxing was was not bad. Yes, uh, no, he, his it was solid, and he did a good job recalling a good amount of the lyrics. But it was all just a little awkward. Yeah, it's uh, quite the week for rap. They, they Luke Luke pulls out a few this week. Yeah, he is uh, perhaps even well. He's not quite the president of rap music, but he's he's climbing. He could be the speaker of the rap music house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke uh, is going back to Vegas this weekend, so this is the last day of the week we'll hear from him. Uh, they're going for Newman, and uh, it'll probably be more shenanigans. I'm sure we'll hear about it next week. The guys talk about the weather, which I refuse to write detailed notes on because they know better and should be punished accordingly. Uh, <laughs> and then Luke decides to fire up the uh, KUGS Cugs. Uh, live stream feed because his daughter Eddie is a DJ on Cugs 
And he's hoping to drop in on her show because it's supposed to be Thursdays from 1 to 3, except it's not. We find out later that it's Thursday from 4 to 7. Uh, and instead, I didn't write her name into our notes, the wonderful, surprisingly talented uh, DJ who's on. Is, is Martha is my daughter? Martha my daughter, yes. Is Martha my daughter. Martha's knocking it out of the park. She's doing a great job, but it's no Eddie. Uh, but they keep the music bed under them for a while of Martha's DJing live in real time on Cugs. Uh, I wonder what the listener base of Cugs is and therefore how much of a bump they got from TBTL that afternoon. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I bet I bet they got uh, quite a bump yeah. percentage-wise. Yeah, exactly, not, right. Not real numbers-wise, but percentage-wise, probably fantastic. And I guess Addie's slot is, is four to seven Thursdays. So if you want to be a weirdo and go stalk you know, her show, get, get all the ratings. I mean, that's good. Let's help. And you can see if they use, uh, Andrew's new slogan, Cugs, not drugs. No, his was Cugs, not hugs. Oh, Cugs, not was... hugs. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. There you go. Cugs, drugs, not drugs are fine. Big... <laughs> drugs are fine. Just college. don't hug me. This is a college radio station. There's got to be some drugs. Exactly. We can't, uh, I believe it was on Wednesday's show that and uh, Luke mentioned in passing that he had an old acquaintance through his ex-wife who made a couple of bold and outrageous claims that were just a little too detailed to uh, debunk. Uh, and, and this has always been my trick, by the way. Some of you may remember that for many years I was listed as a notable resident uh, from Webster, New York, because I was uh, an Olympic um, uh, competitive eating champion coach. So you need mm-hmm. that one extra detail that takes it just a little too far to research easily, and then it'll slide right. for a long time. Um, right. This is uh, – was it Barry? I think his name was. He claimed a couple of things. One of them was that he painted the paintings, the sketches, rather, uh, that are featured in the movie Titanic um, that Leo DiCaprio's character is allegedly making. Uh, and then he also claimed um, to invent the name of the bedazzler – and then also the Bedazzler 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at least one of these has been debunked because apparently the Titanic paintings in James Cameron's movie are original James Cameron art. Uh, and uh, they've yeah, been up I for think auction. even I knew that and I hadn't even – I haven't seen Titanic. Yeah. So so the internet's making it really tough to uh, yeah. to be a big fat liar these days. But he's still got the Bedazzler and the Bedazzler 2. Uh, this is uh, an avenue for Andrew to let us know that he hated the movie Avatar. And he says, quote, keep that shit airbrushed on the side of a panel van. Yeah, I thought it was a quality spoof, but yeah. Luke, Luke didn't get it. Yeah. To start with. Well, explaining it definitely didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't get it the first time, yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah move on. Just let it go. Uh, we get some forced talk about the Pledge of Allegiance uh, as a little bit of a backdoor help for a friend of Luke's who's launching or has a podcast. The Is it the um, Rome School podcast, which I want to go check out. It sounds interesting, actually. They asked Luke about his perspective on the pledge, and Luke and Andrew each have a quick hit. Uh, Luke's is that he had a classmate in his early days who would say, quote, born and unborn at the end of the pledge. Just a, just a deeply um, – brainwashy thing to tag on for the pro-life movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Andrew remembers having a witness, uh, a classmate who was a Jehovah's witness who begrudgingly stood for the pledge, but did not say the pledge. 
that is 200% more interesting content than I ever had about the pledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew is uh, surprised at a recent encounter with a Lyft driver who was talking about concerns with his relationship because he's a Muslim uh, and talking about marriage. Uh, and Andrew just assumes that his religious hangups are only because he doesn't want to disappoint his parents. And the Lyft driver gently corrects him to say, no, I'm genuinely faithful and I'm struggling with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a note of the sign of the times for guys like Luke and Andrew versus people who are still you know, invested in religious beliefs. The top story Thursday uh, was the Beatles' worst to first list by Bill Wyman, not to be confused with old Seahawks linebacker Dave Wyman. Um, I don't think we have to break this down too much, but I'll do it in summary. Here I go. Um, There were some bad songs at one end of the list, and there were some better Beatles songs at the other end of the list. There were some picks that they would argue with because any music fan would. And um, this was a long conversation that I don't think needed to be this long. I'd like to do a uh, worst, like like for Paul McCartney and Wings, worst to ungodly worst. <laughs> Megan, are you a Beatles fan? You know, I like the Beatles. Um, you know, I was I was listening to this, and uh, you know, my husband overheard some of it, and I said, and he goes, I don't think this song's that bad, and I. And I said, no, it's, 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 you know, it's harmless. And he goes, well, isn't that true of every Beatles song? <laughs> it's like, it's on in the background. It's, you know, it's, it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hoping what this, this convers this long conversation did lead to is the fact that Luke seemed to be having an issue loading vocals on his audio. And I don't know if it's just cause he wasn't, didn't have his usual setup or something, but uh, Andrew got into a little audio talk. So maybe for the love of God, this will at least resolve Luke being an audio professional and getting it together ah. and having <laughs> having having clips work, but you know, one can hope. Yeah, I find that when you have drops in stereo that play in mono, the last uh, couple uh, milliseconds get shaved off the end of every drop. Don't ask me why. No. Uh, yeah, the the only thing that was more angering for me than this this drawn out conversation about the entire Beatles catalog was uh that <laughs> that that he's yeah. in his studio and doesn't have that figured out um i like the beatles fine and uh mike i see you just wrote i hate music for the second time this week in your notes well the, i think i've talked about it before the i i had a beatles face too when when i was a kid and um yeah i, I knew all the songs and i still know all the songs and just play a couple notes and the song plays in my head and i don't need to hear the whole thing we get an email from a listener who's wondering if the um, healthy alternative restaurant that Andrew was remembering a road sign for was Baja Fresh. Um, I actually think it's not. I think it's a place called Fresh City because that happens to be on the Massachusetts Turnpike. Uh, and I took a picture of a fresh city on my drive out to Rochester, uh, but then went to Auntie Anne's because I'm not a monster. I wanted a pretzel, not a vegetable wrap. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get an email from listener Jojo in Japan with a light correction about the longevity of the mascot, as Megan mentioned on Wednesday's show. Um, any excuse to get Jojo on TBTL makes me happy. So that's <laughs> there was a me. 100% chance of a Jojo communication when they started talking <laughs> about Japanese baseball. Yes. 100%. Uh, and he talked about how that's his second favorite team, but 
didn't get enough mentions of the Yukal, uh swallows in there. I I'd really prefer if he would just keep saying swallows more. It makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan, I didn't even write it in my notes, but I see that you went out of the way to put a couple of YouTube links to Elvin and the Chipmunks Beatles covers because you hate me and wanted me to have to listen to them. And and, and just because Andrew refused to actually, uh, at the end of the show, to actually go out with one of the Elvin songs. I wanted to see how bad they are. And, you know, he, he actually, Andrew spared us all. Yeah, I would say they're significantly worse than Tom Cochran's Life is a Highway. <laughs> I think the people that listen to the show at one and a half or two times speed would have really enjoyed some Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> the people who listen to the show at triple speed have only been hearing Alvin and the Chipmunks for years. <laughs> right, right. It would just sound like a screech from front to back. All right, uh, Friday, 2404, Taste Buds 2, live, uh, parentheses, but not really live. Luke is in Las Vegas, so Rachel Bell of... Cairo um, reporter, producer, uh, personality who um, once was assigned to go out and ask people, do you smell that stinky smell? Um, that's quite that's quite a uh, seems like a uh, a pretty good assignment, but she didn't in, enjoy it that much because she got no nobody seemed to be smelling the stinky smell or would admit um, she's canceling a Tinder date to be on the show. They're they're doing it at night in um, they're doing the show at night at Andrew's apartment, and I think um, she says that the Tinder is going to be her first Tinder date, and it was going to be with a guy who lives on a boat. And later she was talking about how she, how my, how her poor relationship she had with uh, musicians, and I'm I'm thinking Rachel needs to start making some better choices. <laughs> Guys that live on boats. <laughs> musicians i don't know well maybe a maybe a computer programmer or somebody like the, that the gordon's fisherman is still a step up from the musicians because the gordon's fisherman probably owns equity so has a job right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i think um good on andrew for for not letting her go on that uh, first tinder date with the guy who lives on the boat i mean best case scenario what you're going back to his boat I don't know. <laughs> well, it's the implication. Well, at least he, uh, at least he either has Wi-Fi or can steal it from somewhere. Um, Rachel's is the uh, is the podcaster who does the Last Meal podcast, which is a, a pretty interesting idea. Um, but there was some philosophical discussion on the on the context for Last Meal and. Yeah, it's hard for me to get past the fact that I'm asking for a last meal. I'm asking for this uh, whatever fancy last meal I want or delicious last meal I want when I've clearly murdered a person or some people. Like, do I deserve this? I've always wondered, do people, you know, do they deserve a fancy last meal? Shouldn't they just get what everyone else in the prison's eating? Because just because I robbed a bank and I didn't kill someone, I've got to eat the... El Rancho stew, and right. you get to you get to have a casita burrito and and Mexi fries. Is that your last meal? Yeah, yeah. Would uh, be now. I, I think there's there's a lot of tradition wrapped up in that. Um, sort of like um, in, in a in an even more weird world thing. They want you to be healthy when you're executed, like. 
You know, the real answer here is maybe to just abolish the death penalty. That would that would that would alleviate <laughs> all of this confusion about how to handle this. Seems like it seems like it would, yes. What's your last meal, Bobby? I mean, you did a whole show on it. My last meal is complicated and in part probably intended to drag out my life as long as possible. I have not, as Rachel struggled, I have not been able to drill it down to one thing. So it's really a smorgasbord of a lot of my favorite things. And a lot of it is is sort of cheap, crappy junk food, but things that I love. Um, I'll have to dig up the document that I wrote when we did this on Takedown Podcast. Because uh, I know I wrote it down and, and sent it to you guys back when. And it hasn't changed. But I know that there's... Um, there's a full breakfast, a full diner breakfast involved, and chicken wings and tater tots, and you know. So you you're not adhering to her um, one thing. No, I I don't know that I could get it down to one thing because hmm. uh, you know there's a there's a there's a coat hook for me somewhere in the universe that looks like that meal, and I just I don't know if I can achieve it. Yeah, and I'm with I'm with you, Bobby. I think part of mine would also be a strat. It would be a lot of things, but it would also be a strategy in part to sort of delay the process. So, like taking something that was so obscure or difficult to obtain, you know, it would just be that much longer. I guess you know, I could prolong it and maybe get another appeal in there. Yeah, here's my idea for that. Like, say you want for your last meal, you want dim sum, and then they keep bringing the cart by, and you keep like. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, nope. so they go get another ten items and come back. No, not I'm not feeling that one. So you just go on for years like that. I like that the dim sum appeal. It could really get things hung up in the courts. <laughs> right, I've exhausted everything but the dim sum cart. I got to go to that courts. one. Yeah. So she gets some pretty fancy guests on her show. Um, Kevin Allison uh, from the State and the Risk podcast. I mean, um, when I, f- I first I started listening to that podcast when it first came out, and I liked a lot of stuff about that podcast, except or he's pretty insufferable, so I'm not going to listen to that particular one. The the other Quincy Jones though, that sounds interesting. That um, she she booked Quincy Jones, who I'm not sure if he lives in Seattle anymore, but he did. Spend most of his childhood there, and he went to Garfield. Uh, shout out to Phyllis Fletcher um, and my cousins. But uh, there's a chance that Quincy, Quincy Jones was gettable and local. I don't know. Seems, but uh, they they got the 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 sick Quincy Jones and turned in, into a, a good show. Veeves has joined at this point, and they talk about their favorite, uh, like their last meal, what they would get. And Rachel says she would eat oysters, particularly these, uh, what do you call them, gaggers? Well, those are the, the really big ones that they, was it that they fry? I, I'm, I'm not up on my oyster etiquette, but, but uh, it was the freshness experience. She talked about this thing where you go out and you're on the beach and you just shuck yourself a life of uh, all-you-can-eat oysters. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's... She has a chance to be a last meal anyway with like uh, red tie conditions and, and things like that, you know? Uh, they kind of gloss over it, but I was fascinated by the fact that uh, Andrew said he really likes oysters. And I'm thinking to myself, how can this be possible? Like this is the man that <laughs> does, has, has, has really dif- difficult food issues and, and yet he likes oysters, which are 
maybe one of the most acquired tastes out there. Right. Right. You don't find many people who eat like babies who are big into oysters. <laughs> I don't even Sorry. care for them, really. I, I, I mean, I, if there's anything else to eat, I want to eat the other thing. I heard you say that as people who eat babies. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he does have a few exotic tastes. Well, as long as they're not made out of cheese. They're not baby bells. Oh, for God's sakes. Um, Genevieve picked lobster rolls, which is a pretty solid choice, I think, because, you know, they're they're pretty expensive and you can put away quite a bit of it, yeah. I would think. Yeah. We just got Sam and, a, a lobster roll for her birthday on Wednesday. It's, that's what she wanted. We were going to go for sushi, but it was really nice out. And so we drove to Plymouth, Massachusetts, which you may have heard of. Uh, they have a rock. Um, but we went, uh, because there's a little beachside stand that she has gone to for many, many years that she loves just so she could get a, a fresh ocean side lobster roll. That was her want. It was whole show is making me so goddamn. Hungry. It wasn't cheap. It wasn't two for 20, like at Charlie's, uh, in Harvard square. But, but, uh, I was willing to pay for it because I love my wife. Yeah, just, I want to get you. that in the clear. Sorry for legal reasons. Go ahead. <laughs> did did we find out what Andrew's meal was? We found out he didn't get any barbecue at Stubbs. Yeah, I don't think he said what his meal would be, unless he just sort of rode the coattails of of Vive's oysters uh, hmm. talk and just wanted the oysters. Which maybe that's yeah. his strategy for his final meal. He's just going to get one that he refuses to eat. <laughs> or I'll, I'll have what, I'll have what uh, he's having. <laughs> It would be some cheesy casserole, and he would just sit there, and they wouldn't be able to execute him. Um, so now they go into the Taste Buds uh, version of the the show, Taste Buds Too Beautiful, Taste Buds Too Live, I guess. Um, and for some reason, they were talking about the fourth best burger in America is somewhere in, in South Park, and it's a neighborhood in Seattle. And the difference between a tavern burger and a restaurant burger, and I think I think overall I prefer a tavern burger. I'm not, you know, I I, I never want double patties. I don't want a huge ball of meat. That seems yeah. to be kind of a popular thing going on, but I, that I'm not really into. I like that more about char. what's around the burger. Yeah, I, I like exactly. that 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 little bit of, you know char that you get on a flat top grill with a thin burger and then a nice bun and there's a proportion to all that i I don't need the bread just being the the handles on which to hold a giant meatloaf ball (laughs) the juicy lucy doesn't interest me Uh, anyway that i had was pretty good when we were in the twin cities only because it was basically two thin burgers pressed together so Mm. it still wasn't um, a honking thing Mm -hmm. yeah um, let's see. Andrew loves his RF O'Sullivan's burger. Is you've talked about that before, Bobby? Isn't it some sort sort of a um, Chinese food burger or something? Well, so um, I'll give you the context here. The restaurant that he's talking about is called RF O'Sullivan's. Actually, it's RF O'Sullivan and Son, and it's in Somerville, Mass. And it is right down the street from one of my old offices. Uh, and we actually had a Boston's meetup there a while back. Uh, in honor of Andrew being so obsessed with this one burger. Oh, right. They have these theme burgers, and it's the kind of thing where they all have different sauces and toppings, and they have what they call a Chinatown burger, which is essentially like a teriyaki-ish flavored 
burger and let's not get into the semantics of what part of Asia different flavors come from because then this conversation will break down really quickly. But uh, the Chinatown burger Andrew likes probably in small part because it tastes really good and I've had one. Well, not my you know preferred style of burger. It's good. Uh, he mainly prefers it so that he can turn to Veeves and go, forget it, Veeves. It's Chinatown when he orders it. Right. right. To which she probably groans, but that just makes him want to Burbank it more, I'm yeah. sure. And if they had a the, Polynesia Town burger, that would be even better, but they don't. Well, I, thanks for that reference. You yeah. know, I appreciate that. The number one burger in the country, I guess, is it a place, according to this fella, is it a place in Portland called Stanich's? Uh, um, I didn't look it up. Bobby, did you look it up? No. I, I think that the number one burger in America is the burger that you like that you grew up with from that place that you didn't go very often because it was kind of inconvenient, but it's really good. <laughs> I think everybody like has a place like that, right? For a burger or for chicken wings or for pizza. Like the one you like is the one that it was worth the extra effort to get once in a while. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah. There's a discussion of not wanting to order food that sounds stupid, and I, I agree with that. I'm not going to get the Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity Breakfast. I mean, I might point at it and say I want this, but I don't want to have to say anything stupid or the fuck cancer beer, you know? Yeah. Screw that. You got 75 beers on tap. I can find another beer besides the beer that that makes me sound like a dummy when I order it, so... Is there any is there anything that you guys have ever had to order just had to you know and you had to endure saying it? I mean, there I've is a, never done it. There is a restaurant um, only you know only in California would you have such a restaurant? It's it's actually I think it's a totally vegan restaurant, but in it's raw food and you every dish is called I am something so it'll be I am bountiful or I am beautiful oh or and. I have not actually gone to this, but apparently if you do try to order, like, yeah, I just want the salad, they will actually say, oh, the I am bountiful, you want you want that? And they, they will correct you and make you, force you to actually say the name of it. Um, uh, my sister, who loves nothing better than a fast food burger, went to, was forced to go to this one time and came back to me and just said, I am starving. <laughs> 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 That's fantastic. Uh, if you walk in and just say, yeah, I'd like a double order of an I am a smug son of a bitch. Do they just send out the daily special? <laughs> I am entitled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, top story two was about the sit down eating experience, eating etiquette. I'm sorry. Sit down burrito eating etiquette. Yes. Remember winning Connecticut. And, remember your etiquette. Uh, man, Rachel was, was punning all. She was, Scat punning all over this. That came out wrong. She was scatting her puns. No, I'm going to forget it with the scat. Um, I, when that was posted on the Facebook page, I was like, what a sit-down burrito? Because I, I don't ever order burritos in sit-down restaurants, I don't think. I mean, it's always like something I'm taking to go, and so it's just a... But but what the, she's talking about, what she was talking about, I finally pictured it, is like, yeah, I guess, you know, when you go to a Mexican restaurant, like we're going to Trudy's later today, I'm sure there's something on the menu that's a burrito that's going to come sauced yes, or whatever. This is the and, wet burrito. Yeah, the wet burrito. And, and I'm like, eat it however you want. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Why is it my business how you eat that thing? You're eating it with a like a knife and fork, right? Or with a fork. 
Well, this is so. This is less about etiquette and more about strategy. The, she was going on about how you eat a, a a dry burrito. You eat a takeaway burrito a certain way mm-hmm. because you want to not make a mess, and you also want to have the end not be a dry, miserable hunk of of tortilla. And in fact, the taco shop near my office. There's actually a poster on the wall reminding people to not unwrap the foil all at once. You know, peel it down as you yeah. go to keep it all in. Uh, but when you have this thing sauced, do you start in the middle and then end up working your way out to two dry ends? Or do you try to mitigate that by sort of taking a little bit from the outside and inside back and forth? Or I don't know. I guess I never thought about a sit-down burrito that much because I usually just get enchiladas. Yes, exactly. That's 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 what I'm saying. Is like just get an enchilada, and then you don't have to worry about any of it because it's if all I have the fully sauced. If I have the convenience of a table and a fork and a knife, I don't need a burrito. Burritos are designed to be convenient for not having mm-hmm. those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew calls himself a garbage mouth of the ten year old's palate. Story so at least he's self aware. <laughs> And Rachel uh, signs off with, and good luck to Paul, because she can't help herself. Yes. Which um, is great. She is charming. Oh, she was. She did a great job. And, and Veeves added a lot, too. That was a, It was yeah. fun. It was like yeah. a different show, and it was a fun show. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. Rachel's song is Beck. Que uh, Onda Yero. Uh, Andrew, Nancy Sinatra, and Lee Hazelwood, One Velvet Morning. And Veeves, uh, Louis Fonsi, featuring Daddy Yankee. Des, despacito so i got that right nailed it glad we got the texas guy on all the spanish uh, right and one of the and dazzling deep with that is that i think she said it was one of the few songs that has ever charted in spanish uh mm-hmm. along number with one la bomba and on the macarena uh, that was as close as i got well i wanted to throw my phone plenty of times this week throw your com. But um, when they named La Bamba and then didn't come back around to the second one, I was yelling. I was driving and I was yelling <laughs> in the car. It's obviously the Macarena. I mean, I guess it's just because of my age. I specifically remember what a worldwide phenomenon the Macarena was. But it didn't surprise me for a moment that that was the a number one uh, Spanish language American Hot 100 chart song. It was your personal luft balloons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I wonder if that hit number one in the German version. That would be interesting. I, I actually love Hot 100 trivia. And when Genevieve was sort of diving into these random facts about hit songs, I I perked up because I, I like that stuff a lot. Um, Gives you and, some fodder for trivia night. Well, yeah. If Thank God I don't have to write the questions. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and with that, uh, let's go on to a little bit of housekeeping. We're already a little long in the tooth, but we don't have to say too much more here. As always, keep in mind, there's merch in the merch store. If you need your RAR shirt or your tote bag because you're a public radio fan or anything else, go find us. Stickers are still there, too. There's a note on the top of this run sheet. I'm not sure who put it there. Uh, I'll just read it as it's written. Just a note. And didn't appreciate LRB red slash blue choice of merch being linked to the Matrix, likened to the Matrix. Alternatively, perhaps LRB listeners could think of it as red and blue M&Ms. They both weren't around for a while, but are often the most beloved flavors. <laughs> Very clever. Or you don't I have like to this. choose. Get them both. 
Which means, yeah, you should buy a giant bag full of both, mix them together, and then enjoy your bag full of merch. So mm-hmm. uh, I like that. Don't choose. Just get two. You wear different shirts. You've got to have one to wear while the other one's being washed. So there you go. Archive project. Keep on archiving. I think Megan already did a better pitch for that than I ever could. Worth noting that the heavy hitters of the world like Megan are out of the drawing now for wagons full of loot. So you have a better chance. Your odds have improved significantly. Um, we announced a while ago that Bob Stein won one, and we're working on getting him his crate. We're not going to say from who, but that'll be happening. Amazon.com. Don't go there. Go to littleredbearwagon.com slash Amazon for all of your Amazon needs. Earbuds and Earworms is bringing us some international songs. I wonder if they had 99 Luft balloons in the mix. If they didn't, then we are remiss. We should have gotten in sooner with that. Uh, and remember to send us your best of show moments. Megan, tell us how to get involved. Yes, you can get involved by going to littleredbandwagon.com. Um, if you're having one of those moments where you want to throw that cell phone across the room, uh, don't do that. Just go to throwyourphone.com. Tell LRB about it, um, and maybe we'll get shared on the show. Um, LRB is on Facebook as well as Twitter, L at LRB Podcast. You can send little red bandwagon an email at little red bandwagon at gmail.com or there's the voicemail text line at 802-432-tbtl and megan how do people get a hold of you if they can't get enough of you besides going back and listening to lrb 135 should they find you on facebook twitter yeah so i'm on i'm on facebook um i pop into the the Stens page every so often, uh, probably more often on LRB. It's just a little quieter over there for me. I'm kind of here and there on Facebook. But uh, friend me on Facebook or I'm on Twitter at uh, Penguin, and then it's A-S-A-N-A. Uh, clearly was not thinking of economy of characters when I picked my Twitter handle, but hey. <laughs> and with that, uh, why don't I get us out of here? Until next time, this is The Next Party. And we love you, Jen. Born and unborn. And we nailed it. Hello. Hi, is uh, Doug available? This is- hey, Doug, this is Jeremy. I've been emailing you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About the interview? Yeah. Uh, about how long of an interview? Oh, I just have a couple questions well, I wanted to ask you. I wouldn't anticipate it taking more than probably 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes at the most. Oh, all right, that'd be good because we just sat down at a restaurant. I forgot all about it. Oh, uh, yeah. Hang on, let me go outside. 10, 15 minutes. Excuse me. You want to pull it out, please? Okay. All right. First of all, thank you for uh, taking the time to chat with me, and I apologize for getting your name wrong. (laughs) No problem. Breaking up just a little bit. Let me try outside. Okay. All right, go ahead. Um, all right, so uh, I was actually just curious. I know that you recently did a, um, a, a pretty big jump uh, out there in Austin, 
And or, yeah. originally, the the news report that I saw said that you were going to be jumping over some helicopters. But I was watching some video of the event, and I noticed that you didn't jump over any helicopters. And I was curious as to what uh, what happened. Uh, the the FAA actually came in and shut that part down. Oh, really? They wouldn't let. They were worried about me. Yeah, they were worried about me landing on the blade and them going into the crowds. Uh, have you ever done anything like that before? I've never jumped helicopters before. But you've jumped I lots jumped of... a jumbo jet one time. The... Was the jumbo jet running when you went over it? Oh, it was, it was a 35-foot-high jumbo jet. I jumped it wingtip to wingtip. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean, when I say jumbo jet, it was a big one. Yeah. Uh, so how long have you been doing this? Uh, this is my 30th year. And what what originally got you into it? Well, Evil Knievel was the the man when I was a kid. He was he was like everybody's hero. And there was four TV channels, you know, four TV stations. And when you turned on the TV, if Evil Knievel was on, everybody was watching it. And I thought he was like the coolest guy in the world, and I wanted to be just like him. Hmm. I've been following my dream since. Yeah. And do you have, um, I mean, do you plan to continue doing it for a while or are you looking to, to be done pretty soon or? Well, I'm 50, I'm 55 years old. (laughs) (laughs) So as, as long as my body holds up, it's when I jump evil's bike, uh, just from the practice for weeks, my wrists and knuckles both and my hips hurt. So I, I don't mind. I've got a couple more world records I want to set with evil's bike and uh i'll probably be doing the the smaller jumps at the monster truck shows for quite a while longer yeah and how did you like how did you end up with the evil knievel's bike well one of my friends is he just opened the evil knievel museum matter of fact they have the grand opening uh the end of this month in topeka kansas and he was he's been going all over the world collecting evil knievel artifacts the sky cycle evil knievel's tractor trailer uh, he's got like about six of his bikes, five or six of his bikes, and uh, only one of them is still running. And he asked me if I wanted to ride it one day. And I was like, are you kidding me? Let me ride it. And I was out on a one-mile oval track, and I would slide in sideways. I would slide back in it, and he went crazy seeing me ride like that. And he goes, I says to him, hey, man, do you ever want anybody to jump this bike? You let me know. He goes, I paid $350,000 for that bike. He says, that thing's never going to leave the ground again. <laughs> and he called me about a month later. He goes, hey, I got willing to pay an awful lot of money to see that bike fly again. He says, were you serious? And I says, heck, yeah. So and that was the first time we jumped down in Texas. We did 15 cars at the at the Rot Rally. And I ended up going a little bit long on it, but I hung on. We rode it out, and we went back this year, and the the crowd was just unbelievable. It turned out for this jump, we huh. had it was almost twenty thousand people for the jump. Holy cow! Uh, are there not many other people that do what you do? Uh there's there's very few that are doing the long range jumping like I do. Yeah, very few. There's, there there might be there might be five or six that I know about, and there might be another 10 more in the world yeah that i don't know anything about 
Um, and uh, speaking of the, the <laughs> you said that your wrists were sore from the practice and everything. Um, I was reading an article about you, and it mentioned that one time you got amnesia for an entire year from an accident. Oh, as long as that. <laughs> I, I was in a coma for a month, and uh, I, I lost. I lost everything. I had to basically grow up all over again. I had to learn how to do everything again. And about a year or two later, I started remembering bits and pieces here and there of my past life. And uh, I I still get things back that I had forgotten all about. Somebody reminds me about it. And it's like, I remember that. It it was a horrible, horrible deal. I, I had a cement wall at about 55 miles an hour head first and the bike piled into me from behind. Yeah. And, and one of the things, I mean, so at some point after that, you decided to get back on the bike and just keep, keep doing what you were doing. Well, what happened was I didn't know how I got hurt. And my brother finally sent me a video of it about six months later. And, uh, I watched my jump where I crashed. And, but before I, I, got to see that part there was other part there was other videos on there of jumps i'd done successfully mm-hmm. and i flipping out going man that looks like fun that looks like fun and then i saw the one i got hurt on and i was like well maybe it don't look so fun but i'd like to do that again and what happened is i was i was being picked on so bad with my head injury and my horrible memory and everything and i just you know people were treating me completely different talking to me different and they were they were treating me like like a mentally retarded person, talking slow, and they wouldn't let me do anything. I wanted to get back to what I consider normal. Mm-hmm. And normal for me was being this guy that does things nobody else will do, mm-hmm. and little kids looking up to me and wanting my autograph and stuff. And finally one day, my, my wife that I was with at the time had said if I got back on the bike again that she would leave me. And, uh, you know, like a five or nine, well, probably like a nine-year-old would have done. I called my mother and I says, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. And she goes, go put your bike, you know, get your bike going, put your ramps together and put them right together and see if you can make that jump. Yeah. I know you want to jump again. You want to be Doug Danger again. I just, but my wife says she's going to leave me if I jump again. He says, don't let, tell her not to let the, the door hit her in the ass on the way out. So I went in and told my wife I was going to put my ramps together. I wanted to try jumping again. And she goes, I told you I was going to leave you. You jumped again. And I said, well, my mom had to tell you, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. <laughs> and she's hated my mother ever since. <laughs> but uh, I, I went I went out and set the ramps up. And I, I, I'm so, so afraid. But I went off that ramp. And I actually got out to cars my first day of practicing. And then this guy comes over, he goes, are you all done? And I went, yeah, yeah, I'm all done. I'm all set. And then I went, yeah, I'm all set. And I realized the adrenaline rush and the high I just got from what, from having my life on the line and how I felt after I accomplished what nobody thought I could ever do again. Yeah. And I've been living on that adrenaline rush high since then. Wow. That, uh, that's amazing. And your, your wife stuck around. Nope. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is my second marriage. Oh wow. Okay. 
<laughs> okay. But she definitely put her hand back and didn't let the door hit her in the ass on the way out. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm I'm glad that you found something that you enjoy so much. It's uh, it's a it's a dream. If anybody would have told me when I was TV as a kid, when Evil Knievel was jumping the 14 buses at uh, Kings Island, that pay close attention to this jump because you're going to be jumping that bike right there for a world record jump someday. I said, you got to be kidding me. There ain't no chance of that. <laughs> and two years ago, I went to Sturgis and I took that bike and we jumped that uh, 1972 Harley Davidson over uh, 22 cars. And it's, uh, it set the car jumping world records for Harley Davidson. Yeah. Wow. Every jumper in the world was saying you didn't have a chance on this one. You weren't going to get that bike can't fly that far it's not fast enough there's not enough suspension it's too heavy and uh when i landed that one there's a there's a great feeling and being able to say told you i could do it (laughs) (laughs) man and so you have you have some world records now uh the harley world record is the is the main one yeah i had the guinness book of world's record uh i did on my dirt bike back in 1991 i jumped over 42 cars uh, I went 251 feet, but that has since been been beaten. Hmm. Wow! We're trying to get it set up now. Set the, uh, the tractor trailer record and the bus record for Harley jumping. Yeah. Want to bring those names back to mine and Evil Knievel because that, that that world record I did on Evil's bike. <clears throat> I he had tried to do 22 cars, mm-hmm. and I wasn't break the world record when I did that jump. He he fell short. He didn't make it. And I went there to complete the jump for him to keep the Harley-Davidson car jumping record in the Knievel name and mine. Mm-hmm. So, so now him and I hold that world record together. And uh, these next two world record jumps that we're going to be doing, I'm going to be uh, on the same thing. It's going to be a tandem world record. The two of us are going to own it. That's awesome. <laughs> And um, if we want to uh, follow along or, or try and find you online and, and see what you're up to, do you have um, – are you on social media or do you have a website or what's the best way for people to do that? Uh, we're on Facebook is the best thing. I just – I have so many requests on Facebook. We've got thousands of requests. Um, you can just, just research and find Doug Danger. Uh, if they want to go to a website, although we, we haven't been keeping that website real up to date, uh, it's Doug – and there's a dash there, and then danger. Perfect. Dot com. Perfect. Well, Doug, I really appreciate you taking the time, uh, stepping out from dinner for a minute to answer a few questions. And um, once Not I get problem. this all buttoned up for you, I'll uh, I'll send it over to you so you can have a copy of it as well. But I really appreciate your time, and I wish you the best of luck with uh, with all your jumps. I appreciate it, man. All right, thank you, sir. Okay. <laughs> Bye. See you later. Yep, bye.